This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors and the over 4,000 members that we have, plus affiliate members such as termite inspectors, home inspectors, lenders, title companies, and such. And that's what makes this show really good is we have a different perspective every single Saturday. And uh, to help with that today, I have a couple of people that are going to help with their perspective on real estate. And that would be Brian Martin of Keller Williams Realty Fresno. Good morning, Brian. Hey, Don. Nice to see you. Yes, it sure is. And somebody who you know very, very well, your daughter, Joanna Odebashian, also of Keller Williams Realty Fresno. Yes. Good morning, Don, and good morning, Dad. <laughs> All right. And um, something that I, I, I just couldn't help but remember this, the last time Joanna was on the show, I think we were scared because COVID had just started and it's like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen to our market? I, I don't think we were able to show homes at the time. It had, it had just happened. I, I want to say it might have been the Saturday after we were all sent home or maybe the Saturday before we were all sent home. How crazy was that? Very crazy. So I'd like to hear the your perspective on what real estate has been like during COVID and after COVID and because of COVID. I like that last part, the because of. <laughs> I'll start with a quote that I heard this morning and I, I think it, it still kind of rings true but it was really true at that moment, the last time I was on the show. We've been living in a time that we have no playbook for. Mm. And that's kind of what real estate has felt like over these three years, because there've been so many unexpected, so many unexpected things. Dad, maybe you wanna fill in with, with some of those things. The scary part was that we were not um, exempt to begin with. And we had to do a lot of work in the background to be able to help um, California recognize that. Real estate agents were essential. We are essential uh, and important. And that was a big challenge. That was huge. And because we all had real estate transactions going, but we couldn't go to the office. We couldn't use the copy machine we couldn't do all those things it was it was really crazy and bizarre it sure was and we couldn't even go to the home that we were selling no it, it made it made me thankful that i'd spent time learning technology okay so uh, i wish i would have spent a little more time <laughs> learning technology yeah. when you said going to the office and making copies it's like well you know we could always click on save to a PDF and then send it like that. But some of us don't think that way right. right off. Well, and how about like the one week we had 16 contract revisions in a week where the mm. rules kept changing and the contract kept changing and what we could do kept changing and trying to engage your real estate agents 
through all of those changes, you know, bombarding people with emails of, oh, here's another change. We need you on another Zoom. We need to tell you about this. Um, we had to figure out how to communicate differently with our with our agents first because people stop reading emails after they're constantly bombarded. And so that was one thing from the running of the business side that we had to look into a different way to communicate with people so that there was a place that they could go to be made aware of those changes but not necessarily have their inboxes be totally full every 30 minutes when there was a, a contract change. At least that's what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I sure think did. I got a little PTSD from that because <laughs> I, I can't remember the name of that form that was changing all the time. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. There was a, a form the that PED was. The PEED form. It was. PEED. Yeah. Property mm -hmm. Entry Advisory Disclosure. P -E -A -D. There you go. That's really good. Man, that thing changed a lot. You would have to bring that up, Brian. Mm -hmm. I've almost gotten it out of my memory. Well, and then what we had to do is we had to wipe down all the doorknobs. And the, if we, when we were able to show properties again, we had to make sure there was no more than two or three at the most that could go into the house. And it was, you know, don't, don't touch that door. Don't, don't touch it. Put your hands in your pocket. Here, <laughs> I've got my Clorox wipes and I'll do all of the, all of, uh, yeah, I remember that. But then it even became a problem to show up to somebody's house before the showing to wipe things down because things were being moved or put in different places. I mean, it's, it, was, it was really, really a crazy time. Yeah. I, I don't think I could have ever anticipated that I'd be running a company during the middle of a, a pandemic, a global pandemic. And it wasn't so bad wearing a mask, but wearing booties, that was pushing it a bit far. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was an odd and strange time. And, you know, in some ways it has continued and it still affects our industry and the way that we do business. How, how so? Well, for one thing, um, getting people to come back to work. Mm. A, lot of, a lot of agents really, uh, well, a lot of employees everywhere, including real estate agents, decided that, well, you know, I'm not so sure I'm, I want to go back to work. And that's an issue today for, uh, for agents coming back to work in the office. I think it blurs lines a little bit also. I think when you when you are accustomed to going to work every day, you're able to separate work from home. And then all of a sudden you're forced into a situation where you have to work and home and be home in the in the same spot all day. And I think that that led to maybe some overwhelm or uh, depression or feelings of being isolated. Um, and so I I think that that, that it's huge. Also, I know for a lot of people, the social comparison increased a whole lot because people were more in tune to what was happening on social media and people's thoughts and emotions. And, um, and, and when you're experiencing that and you're comparing what's happening to you to somebody else, it, it can really create a downward spiral for, for people. Feeling yeah. connected is important. Although I'm going to throw out a positive that can yeah. come from this. So yesterday I was talking with an insurance adjuster who was in, uh, I believe that she was in Indiana. And uh, 
So she's talking to me about her client's claim. Um, she, she's helping them rent a house from me and she's gonna pay for it while um, th their home is being rebuilt and I'm renting it to them. But anyway, we kept getting interrupted because her baby was crying and she apologized, but yet it humanized the whole thing. Cause I asked, Oh, how old's your baby? And then she would, I could tell she was a proud mom. And it, so it wasn't just about work, but that also takes away from productivity. <laughs> it does a little bit. And heroes arose from, from that time. Also, there were, there's one gentleman that I know of who went from being just a regular real estate coach to amassing um, about 81,000 followers on Facebook. And he would wake up every morning and do a positivity segment and then help people address objections and really encourage and inspire people. So it's, it's fun to see the, those types of good stories as well. Yeah. So how about as far as value of a home? How did COVID affect that and where are we now compared to three years ago? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. A thought provoking one, huh? Mm -hmm. Well, everything stopped for a few weeks or maybe even a few months, right? Yeah. And then it picked up. You wanna talk about the pickup? Um, well, what I'm noticing is that inventory is getting worse and worse and worse. The what amount of worse? homes for sale. The amount of homes that are for sale, yeah. How was it during COVID though? Well, <clears throat> I I don't remember. Huh. But I do when I'm I'm reviewing charts in my mind right now and I'm seeing this downward slope on the availability of homes that have happened since that time. And I think we're down forty percent. Or more? I think yeah, depending on the, the area, between 32 and 40% in reduction of inventory, mm -hmm. which of course makes um, the value of homes go up because you have a, a shortage of supply. Yeah, and kind of what I saw is prior to COVID, I would almost say we had a normal market. I mean, it hasn't really been normal for decades, but it, we were closer to normal than COVID just turned everything upside down and i really i'm, I'm going to agree with you brian there's less inventory today than there was three years ago yeah. um, and i think a reason why is people started to realize the value of a home it's like wow you know if you can't go to a restaurant you can't go to church you can't go here or there at least you got a home to go to there was another amazing thing though and that was interest rates and interest rates being so historically low during that time, I think for some people who might have said, I'm three years out or four years out or five years out from buying a home, to say, no, I'm gonna go ahead and sell and, and buy now mm. while interest rates are so low. So essentially we burned through maybe some of our future clients because they sped up and That's sold an and bought take. earlier. That's an interesting take that you have there that people bought earlier than they were planning, planning on, on because the rates were so low. Yeah. And I've got another one to throw out there too, just to add to this, where did the inventory go? Yeah. A lot of people were able to skip the starter home, 
that stepping stone in homes because rates were so low they could move right into their first home could be that four-bedroom home they didn't need to start with a two-bedroom home yeah they skipped right on over and so now they are where they wanted to be and with some of those pondering thoughts we are going to go to our first commercial break so stay tuned to welcome home radio 940 kyno Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and I'm here in the studio with Joanna Odebashin, who is the team leader for Keller Williams Realty in Fresno, and also Brian Martin of Keller Williams, who had the really, really hard job of raising uh, Joanna. I was no. an easy one. No, no, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that's jo- true. I've met your brothers. I will right. attest to Joanna that. Joanna is the oldest, and um, it was... Having Joanna was the best thing that ever, well, besides, you know, getting and marrying her mom was really a wonderful thing. But um, it was such a neat thing just to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just changed my life so dramatically. Um, there's, there's something about the human connection. And when you hold a baby or when you're with your friends, or when you're in a, your community, there's a whole feeling of love and support like no place else. So, so she, she, you know, um, I love my sons and I don't have any, you know, particular favorites except for the one that knows. <laughs> I might be sitting next to me. But I am fortunate enough to say that I am his favorite daughter because I am the only one. Yeah. I know. That's how I got treated in my family. I was everyone's favorite male cousin because I am the only male out of all my cousins. So There are perks. Yeah, right. But there's also responsibilities that go with that. I made the mistake when I was 18 of buying a pickup truck. And so when all my cousins needed to move, they would call me. (laughs) I, I was busy every weekend moving somebody. So, okay, interesting that, Brian, you would talk about that human feeling. Um, Sometimes it's easy to forget that realtors are humans, too. And, you know, sometimes we get phone calls at 6 o'clock in the morning and 1030 at night. And what do you mean you can't show me the house? (laughs) Um, Tell us about that human side of being a realtor. Well, first of all, I think that the public has a perception of real estate agents that's probably not exactly right. You know, if you watch some of those programs on TV where they've got the the multi-million dollar real estate agent who is driving the really fancy car and is living a high lifestyle, that's that's not that's not what a typical real estate agent is like. Yeah, that's a one in a. Half a million. It's, well, it's less than 1% of the, of the agents for sure. I was just on a panel with the guy from Selling Sunset, and mm-hmm. he said it's not even what it really is because it's portrayed for a TV show. So what, what his real job or his real day is, it's dressed up when it goes on the air. Kind of like you're going to dress this up with us on the air today, right? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> But I think one of the best um, 
depictions of what a real estate agent does came from my daughter when she was like seven years old. She was playing realtor with her friends at the house. And so she would take them around her friends, her, the other seven-year-olds, around the house, and she was playing realtor. And she goes, and here's the kitchen. And I'm thinking, well, duh, Jenna. <laughs> of course that's a kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's got a stove. Uh, then she was, and then here's the spacious living room. But anyway, there's more to real estate than just pointing out which room you're in. That's, that's true. That's true. And, um, you know, one of the things that's fascinating about real estate agents is, did you know that the average real estate agent only works 30 hours a week? Oh, boy. I'm not, eight, I'm not average. <laughs> I am not either. I was surprised to hear that. So if we work so many more, that means some aren't even working 10 hours. I know. Are. Yeah. How about how about sixty two percent of real estate agents in the United States are female? Whoa, where'd you get that from? From National Association of Realtors. Okay. Pretty cool statistic, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And um, now, what percentage of the population are they? You mean age population, no. or what pop of the total population? Yeah, probably fifty fifty. Huh. Uh, I'm not quite following. I don't know. I'm not getting uh, okay. your qu- your question. Okay, if 62% are women, yeah, w- women represent what percentage of the population? Oh, oh. the total population? I don't know. Yeah, about, about half or more, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that was my rhetorical yeah. Uh, yeah. point. <laughs> Got it. All right. So um, take us through what does a typical real estate agent in the residential field do on a daily basis? so that our listeners can appreciate what realtors do. What day of the week are we talking about? Let's start with Wednesday. So Wednesday, you're getting ready for the open houses on the, during the weekend. And so you wanna make sure that you've got everything all ready to go. You're gonna talk with the, the sellers and uh, or the selling agent so you can make sure that that the house is going to be nice to show and you probably want to walk around the neighborhood with a flyer and you want to let all of the neighbors know there might be increased traffic and so just be aware because there's an open house and you can invite them to come to the open house also and then you want to make sure that all of the agents that are in in the area um, know that you're ha- having the open house and so you send out flyers and emails and all kinds of information f- for that and all that's going to take some time and and, and, and and quite a bit of effort too. Well and you'll have already had pictures taken of the property mm-hmm. and worked on maybe social media marketing that you want to have either paid for ads or or even just posts that are going to go out. You got to make sure that those um, those that open house is on Facebook. That's right. And Instagram, and you know TikTok and YouTube, and that takes some time to do that. And if we took a step back, leading up to all of that, you've got to have been out there building relationships with people. Ah, uh, yeah. And talking and building trust. Well, it's all relationships. A hundred percent. Everything you're doing is figuring out ways to connect with people and connecting with people. 
And what do you mean by building those relationships and connecting with people? How does that assist in the transfer of a home? It is so important that the seller and the buyer trust their agent. And so an agent has to present him or herself in a real professional manner. Uh, we do have a code of ethics, you know, and with that code of ethics, it prescribes the type of activities and uh, that we, we should engage in and the things that we should avoid doing also. I've often thought most companies should, and corporations should have a code of ethics because that, the code of ethics that the National Association of Realtors uh, puts out there goes above and beyond the laws. It, it, and it, it kind of sets a standard for morals and ethics. Yeah, and we train agents from the very, very beginning. They have to go through ethics and uh, training and fair housing and all kinds of good training like that. There's a lot that's involved in an agent's life in terms of, of relationships and how to conduct yourself some with of the, the public. Some of the feedback that I've heard from new agents who get into the business is, wow, I had no idea that I would be in control of someone's emotions. And they're... they're they're surprised, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't, I've been trained to learn a contract or I've been trained to understand this new real estate vocabulary, but I wasn't prepared for the fact that I would now be in control of someone's emotions. One of the hardest things to do, if you don't mind me adding in, is when we have to call a client and give them bad news that maybe their uh, escrow is gonna cancel. Um, Maybe, and how, do, how does that seller tell their 10-year-old kid, hey, go tell all your friends at school we're not moving after all. So, yeah, there's some real emotions in that. Um, so well, it, home is such a, it's like a sacred place. I, I think so much happens at home. Yeah. And, and, and agents are, are in tune to that, and they know. And so they're sensitive, and they're empathetic, and caring. And I think that you treat someone how you would want to be treated. And maybe, and that just means being transparent and coming and saying, hey, this, this deal is falling apart. But I think it could even start before the home is under contract. I think you could have a setting expectations conversation with someone and you could say, tell me, if something goes sideways on this transaction, how would you like me to tell you about it? Do you, do you want me to pick up the phone and start off by saying, Don, I've got some bad news. Do you want me to come by your house and tell you in person? But if, if something's going wrong on this deal, how do, you, how do you want me to tell you? Because in my experience, the average transaction could have, this is just an exaggerated number, but 32 things that, that happen. Can, that can happen, yeah. Yeah, and, and that could be go right or go wrong. Yeah, it, there is a lot to it. And um, hmm. so, yeah, how we deliver news is that's one of the toughest parts of the job. You know, learning the contract, okay, that's very, very important. But that's a black and white thing. It's like, okay, you, this is what you put in line 14. 
This is the box you check on line 12. But yeah, how you deliver news, good news, bad news, is different with each individual person that you have that relationship with. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the contract because an agent has to know the contract really well. It's what guides the relationship between the buyer and the seller. And, and so uh, the agent has to take a lot of time to be really familiar and comfortable with that contract so they know the rules and how to function. Yeah. That, that's true. And that contract changes a lot. It changes. So it's continuing education. Mm -hmm. um, I know when I started, I don't know about you, Brian, Joanna's so young that, you know, she wouldn't remember this. But I started when it was a two-page contract to purchase. And now, of course, it's, uh, what, 16 pages plus another 30 or 40 um, disclosures that go with it. So, wow. I yeah. think my grandpa said when he got into the business, it was half a page. Yeah. <laughs> half a page. Wow. All right. Well, with that thought, we're going to go to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio today, we have Joanna Odebashian and Brian Martin of Keller Williams Realty Fresno. And um, we've been talking in the last segment about, I'm going to say it like this, humanizing the realtor. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Believe yeah. it or not, we are real uh, humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, real estate agents have homes and they have families and, and they have all the stresses of life and it's, uh, it's challenging. A lot of people have some misconceptions about how much real estate agents make and I think they'd be surprised if they knew how much and uh, or maybe how little some of I, them make. I think maybe <clears throat> most people would have a greater respect or maybe empathy for a real estate agent if they had to become commission only. And that's that's a trick to it's learn a, how to be it's a, it's a, a commission a only trick. salesperson or professional. Mm -hmm. The trick is saving some money un until the next one closes because you don't know. And I, this one I learned: if if there's a deal that's going bad, and even though you need the money, you've got to be able to professionally handle that in the best interest of the client. Amen. And if it yep. means killing the transaction you got to do it it's it's one profession where you will quickly learn that you can only control a couple things yeah one is your mindset and one is the way you choose to act yeah exactly and something i've learned in the business too if how we choose to act will get to our clients so if you're calm about it uh, uh, maybe something's going sideways, but you stay calm and analytical, like, okay, we're going to figure this out. Good chance your client's going to be that way too. Well, remember the 32 problems I was talking about in the last yeah. segment? Yeah. Well, you can also use a little humor and you can pick up the phone and you can say, hey, remember when we sat down and we were setting expectations and I told you there would probably be 32 problems? Well, I'm calling to tell you that we've got 
situation number one and don't worry because I've already come up with three options to guide us through that. Ooh, I like that. So you're presenting options and that's where an agent can really come in. So when a situation presents itself, the agent's job is to present the options and like, okay, what's the best one and how do we go from here? I ended a transaction one time and the seller said to me, you only called me six times with an issue. And I said, oh gosh, is that okay? And she said, well, you told me to expect 32. Ah. And I said, woo, (laughs) we did a good job. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, if you only ran into six of them, that's That's good. So um, how important is it um, for product knowledge? For, for the agent to know what it is about a home that they're selling. Because we talked about the importance of knowing the contract, the importance of having a relationship with your client and knowing what their motivation is and all. But what about the home? What, what kind of product knowledge do we need? Well, I, um, I'm going to go back to um, a piece in the contract I think is really, really important. And that is uh, real estate agents are fiduciaries and that means that um, we have to put our clients needs ahead of our own and agents are really good at doing that most of the time and I really think that's that's really great and wonderful and so one of the things that the agent needs to do is to make sure that um, the agent knows about the homes that are available for the buyer, or if it's a seller, he needs to know what homes are on the market that might be competition, the sold ones, so they can have a good evaluate about uh, market evaluation for for the homes. It's just critical to know the product. Mm-hmm. I think I underestimated the time that I would need for research and and learning when I got into real estate and how you really do have to learn to study the local economy so that you can be the local economist of choice. Every zip code's different also. Um, Builders are different. And so to think that you can just sit and look at a computer screen and say, we have all of this inventory, probably isn't going to be enough. And and you mentioned uh, knowing the zip codes. That takes some education in itself because zip codes don't just go in quadrants they zig and zag and um well and now now zip codes have become even more hyper local so with the introduction of nextdoor i think almost 60 percent of people know what nextdoor is but it's that app where neighbors can communicate well when nextdoor came out 10 or 12 however many years ago that was the way that those neighborhood boundaries were drawn was the first neighbor to claim that zip code got to draw the boundaries and nextdoor's thought process on that was who better than someone who lives in the neighborhood and knows which homes are most alike because you've seen on those neighborhoods where like one builder stops and on the very same street the next builder starts and perhaps those homes aren't comparable oh yeah and not only fresno and clovis are very much like that but if you go up and up and down the valley. I mean, even Sacramento is like that. I remember, um, well, when I go to the state meetings, one of my hobbies is 
I like to go drive around and check out the towns and see what they're like. And I've noticed that. I mean, it's not just Fresno and Clovis. Um, other cities do that too, where it's not everything's the same in a neighborhood or a zip code. Right. Yeah, it's nice to have some knowledge about that. And you also need the right software so that you can discover where those different neighborhoods are and you can see the boundaries and have the technology to where you can look at them uh, remotely and have a, have, a, have a better idea about what that neighborhood is really uh, like in terms of the, bu- the seller or the buyer's, uh, the buyer's needs. Remember how at the beginning of the, the show this morning, we talked about um, how we're living in a time that we've had no playbook for? I think that that's true right now in the real estate agent's obligation to understand what's happening. Because in order to be a local economist of choice, I really have to see what the the bigger picture is. And I've learned in doing a lot of research, a lot of research, that I also have to know about things like, I know this sounds crazy, but gross domestic product and inflation and um, interest rates. And I need to understand how the shortage of homes is impacting home values here in our in our area. And I've got to be able to forecast for somebody because as a fiduciary, I'm sitting there helping them make a huge decision. And so I've got to have as a real estate agent, and, and I'm not I'm saying I as the real estate agent has to have a really solid understanding of of the market because we're, we're advising people on home. We're home planners. There's financial planners and there's wealth planners and there's tax planners. And we're, we're helping with home. I like that, the way you give that analogy about tax planners uh, and such. But we are home planners. We are. Yeah. So maybe advising somebody that might be a good idea to spend a few dollars more and get the three-bedroom home rather than the two-bedroom home being you're a young family and who knows you may have twins I, I remember that happened to me a long time ago I had some clients that said nope we're gonna we're gonna go with the lower price one we're gonna buy the two-bedroom home and they only had one kid so it was gonna work out just fine well next year they had twins one boy one girl now they really needed that third bedroom I, I think this goes back to something that we talked about in one of the other segments, and that's the importance of the relationship building. Because currently, in, in our state, they're forecasting that, that families are going to stay in their homes longer. When I got into real estate, it was seven years, and then it inched up to 13 years, and now they're saying as long as 19 years in a home. And I know that that's not going to be true for everyone, but our jobs as real estate agents are to stay in relationship with these people. They matter to us so that when their next life event happens, we're there. I got a good one. I mean, 19 years sounds like a long time. When I was in Rome, Italy, visiting my cousins, he was showing me his family home. 200 years they've been in that. Yes. <laughs> Not him, but his family. Yeah, it's really crazy. Yeah. So with that, we're going to our next commercial break. Stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Oh, 
Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we're here in the studio with Joanna Odebashian and Brian Martin, both of Keller Williams Realty Fresno. And it's important to say Fresno, not to be confused with Keller Williams from all over the world. Or, or around the world. <laughs> yeah. So you guys truly are local experts. And as our intro music said, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. That's right. Uh, um, that's how realtors are, especially the resilient ones. Mm. So um, let's talk a little bit about being resilient. And that would be not only the realtor, but also the consumer. And why would you even have to be resilient? Mm, well, a lot of, we talked about COVID for a while. Yeah. And we had to be resilient. And we're always learning new technologies, and it's challenging, and we have to be resilient. And um, we have things like a cyber attack take down our MLS for two weeks. Yeah. And um, we were resilient. How so? Well, we came right back, and we got right back to work. We, well, first of all, we never stopped. We, f we found creative ways to help people with their home. And, and that's what we did. That's what real estate agents have always done. And uh, my father-in-law, Jack Chamberlain, moved to Fresno in 1982 and was involved in real estate. And he was always thinking of something new to help the client with their home. And I might add, they didn't have um, Rapitoni or an MLS. They used a book. And they sold plenty of houses. Oh, and yeah. so for the two weeks that we were down, it was maybe a little hard to get our, our properties featured on the national syndicates where sellers really love to see their homes. But guess what? Our sellers understood and they said, hey, we get it. You, mm -hmm. can't, you can't control this. And homes still sold and you know the real estate community rallied around and People found all sorts of different creative ways to get their listings out to other agents. It was really cool. And you know, there's always gonna be problems that come up. And some of them are gonna be really serious and difficult problems. And we have a fabulous track record of coming back. And sometimes coming back better and stronger, but we always come back. And I'm not just talking about the, the agents because that the agents have to, they have to adjust. But people, people who want a home are adjusting also. Well, how bad did you want a home when you moved to Fresno, Dad? <laughs> I paid 17 and three quarter percent. That's how much I <clears throat> was wanting a new home. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> 17 and three quarter. Don't forget three that quarter. three quarters. It's, it was important, my mom says. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it had it been a quarter percent more at eighteen, you might have said, "Eh, interest rates are just too high." Yeah, and, <laughs> I, and you know what? I understand. I mean, because interest rates were really low for a long, long time. But you know what? Buyers are resilient, and they're buying homes at six percent and even even higher. Yeah, it is important to be resilient and. Um, look for creative ways to make things work. So going back to creativity, back when interest rates were 17, 18%, there was a creative way to get a lower interest rate, a much lower rate. You're talking and, about a buy down. No, blended rates. Uh, where yes. You would assume the seller's first loan, 
Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe it was at 10%, get the seller to carry at 12%. So if you blend those two together, maybe you had an 11% rate when the going rate was 17 and three quarter. So here you got an 11% rate, but the seller says, hey, I, I don't want to carry the loan. I need to, I need cash. Right. Well, then what we would do is take that second trust deed and sell it to an investor at maybe ninety-seven percent. You were creative and resilient. Mm-hmm. Had to be. So and, you, you, and you sold homes, and people bought homes. Yeah, because they remembered what a home was about. Yeah. It wasn't about the interest rate. It wasn't about anything else other than having that place to put your family. And that's probably why you paid seventeen and three quarter because you wanted some place to put your family. Yeah. You should have seen the dance in the kitchen when they got to refinance to 12%. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big deal. All right. Really I'll bet. Deal. Yeah. You, you know, we talk a lot about money, but when it's all said and done, money is not the important thing. It's people in their homes, living and loving and doing everything that's important that happens in a home. And that's what agents help people do. All right. And that's find the home and work around the numbers and the market and expectations. And here's another thing. We have to work around fears. You know, social media is really bad about putting fear out there. Yeah. It, you mean they're really good about putting fear out there? Uh, <laughs> they're, they're good at it's being awful. bad it's awful everything it, is fear-based it seems like it intensifies challenges that's what i like to say social media mm -hmm. intensifies challenges and it creates uncertainty for people you don't know who to believe i like some of the way you put these words you should be a writer i love to write i love well to you know write. she's a teacher and Oh yeah, oh, I was that's a right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I came from teaching school for eight years before I got into real estate. What did you teach? I taught second language learners how to speak English, which is why I think I'm good at real estate because real estate is a second language for a lot of people. Oh yes. Because you come out of that test and all you know is new vocabulary, but you have to learn the cadence of the language, and that's learning the contract. That's learning the that's learning the negotiations. That's it's, it's a language. I got to tell you an experience I had a couple of weeks ago, unrelated to real estate. I went into a, an office and I asked for some help on something. And it's, um, it had to do with one of my rental homes, but it was not real estate related. So I'm kind of outside my field of expertise. That person at the front desk made me feel like I was not very intelligent. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they took all of... 45 seconds to say we, we can't help you out in it and i know they could have but my point is um take the time to listen to your clients Be, because they may not know that real estate language just like i didn't know the language of this expert mm -hmm. i think the best agents I, I think you do a really good job with this, but I, both of you, I think the best agents are able to sit down and explain things and in such a way that people don't feel stupid or silly asking mm -hmm. questions. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, <laughs> I was gonna, a few years back, I was gonna buy a life insurance product and I just could not grasp 
this concept. Finally, the, he was a friend of mine, so he could get away with this. He drew a picture for me. <laughs> he said, if this is what it takes to get you to understand, I'm going to draw a picture for you. And, and he did. And so uh, now I understand. There's lots of ways to connect the dots. That's great. Yeah. Um, as we wrap up the show, I'd like each of you to tell us what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's show? Can I start with you, Joanna? No, start with Brian. I really no. want to hear what he has to say first. You mean dad? Dad. <laughs> dad, take it away. So um, the most important thing that I would like people to remember is that, number one, home is the most important place in the world. And number two, you need special guidance from a person who has a mindset that helping you get into that home is the most important thing that they can do. I love that. Home is the most important place in the world. I love that. Joanna, your turn now. My tagline on all of my stuff is home is the starting place of love, encouragement, and dreams. I really love that. Mm-hmm. because I, I think home is so important. Don't be afraid to buy a home. That would be my advice to people. It's a great starting place for building wealth. Don't be afraid. Find a, mm-hmm. find a great real, I, realtor. I would, I would say you must buy a home. There you go. For the, for the safety and, uh, of your family, financially, physically, and every other way. And, and then buy another one. Okay. <laughs> Well, I want to thank both of you for coming in today and helping us out. And hopefully our our listeners got a lot out of today's show. I know I did. And thank you to Joanna and Brian for coming in and helping out. But most of all, thank you to our listeners. We'll be back next week. 